Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And today, as promised, we're going to kind of uh, head into our real look at Purdue as a football team, what we like about them, players we think can make a difference, uh, units we think can be crucial to the success of Purdue. Um, as we go forward with the first game of the season, when this comes out, we'll be one week away. Oh, I was expecting a Casey Airhorn noise or something there, but I got nothing but silence. The thing you would have got is me biting into the crust of a pizza, so that's, uh, that's my yeah, bad. That's, that's fair. That's, that's fair. Amateur so, play. Yeah. Um, so before we get into that, that's going to be the second half. There are two things we need to talk about. Um, first, I wanted to mention that Purdue, four days ago, uh, put out new information about season ticket sales. I know we've talked about this in the past. Um, they listed... Uh, a few stats, and I wanted to read them to you. 95% uh, football season ticket renewal rate compared with last year, Not which bad. Is, is very good. You have to assume I, 5% of them died anyway. <laughs> that really got dark. 100% uh, alive. Coming back, we're thriving. Okay, moving on. Uh, as of now, there's been more than 37,000 season tickets sold, um, which if you're listening and you're an Alabama fan or Ohio State fan, I know that doesn't sound like much, um, but it's still pretty cool. Uh, for us, and it's, they're it's not listening. I know. In case this gets picked up as a way for people to shit on Purdue, is that what they're doing with us now? Yeah, you know, uh, we're a threat now, so they've they've got to do some um, opposition research on us. Right, right. That checks out. Um, so I mean, that's still pretty good. It's obviously it's going up from uh, from where we were, and then as of now, the total number of new season tickets sold is. 5,000 plus. So 5,000 plus new season tickets compared to last year. And of course, the student section is completely sold out, the boarding pass. So those are great things for Purdue. That's going to mean a lot more money that they How can... How much is the boarding pass? The boarding what? pass is ridiculously Hundo? cheap. Hundo? Hundo um, bucks? Yeah, I, I think it is only like $100. It's pretty good. It's a um, good deal. Yeah, I mean, it's outrageous. I know uh, when I was there, it was... Oh, it's $135, which Rip is off. still just incredible. That's for every sport? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Doesn't I mean, that's how it's got to be, right? doesn't Everywhere. get you into the paint crew, but it gets you into the basketball oh. games. You have to pay so, more to be in the paint crew. Yeah, it's like I think it's only like 15 or 20 bucks. You just want to make sure they pay. Yeah, basically. Is that how you keep the... Uh, got to keep the riffraff out. The riffraff, yeah. The, yeah, we the don't other teams. Yeah, yeah, that is part of it, too. Fair play. Um, so, I mean, that's really good news for Purdue. As I said, you know... When you sell season tickets, you know that money is guaranteed. That money has already come in. So you don't have to rely on those individual tickets and promotions or anything like that to try to get the money in the door. So the more season tickets you sell, obviously, the better it is. Money in uh, hand. Yeah. So 40, that's great. News. That's decent. That's well, a lot of people. I mean, yeah. There's like uh, what? Is it just under 60 now at Ross Ed? I think it's like 57 something. It, they. With the removal of the south end zone, but then they count some of the seats. Back then, in my day, it was like sixty-two five eight. Sixty-two five. That's that's what I remember. Um, so uh, so I mean, either way, it's really great news for Purdue, and we really love to see that. It's a, it's one reason why when the when Jeff Brom was hired, you know, people expected the ticket sales to increase, and that's how you know he pays for his salary that is uh, rather large. So you know, well, I mean, out in the Big Ten network. Well, yeah, but we, you know, that that money is coming in regardless. So we, we need to do everything we can to, to keep the money flowing. So that is the good news for the day. Um, the less good news is, I mean, we do have to mention that uh, Purdue legend Lynn Dawson did pass away uh, this morning. Uh, his family released a statement. Um, he was, of course, he really pass away, huh? Uh, he died. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying just to don't think that was a time for wordplay. Oh, I didn't even that. Come on. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what do you mean? I, I truly did not catch what you were trying to do there. Um, so he was he was 87 years old, uh, played at Purdue, of course. And here's something that I did not know um, in all of my you know life as a Purdue fandom. He was called the golden boy while he was at Purdue. And it's the reason that the golden girl twirler was created was to go with the golden boy, Lynn Dawson. That is wild. Right. I had no idea. Do you think it was someone like he knew that became the golden girl? I have no idea. A lot of pressure. That was all I could find on it was that he, of course, was the reason for the golden girl because he was named the golden boy. I I, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's kind of a big deal when they create all things just because. Right. And it's still around, still around uh, 70 years later. So did you also did you know his nickname when he played with the Chiefs? Was it was it Golden Boy? No. <laughs> Red Red Boy? Lenny the Cool. That's a good nickname. Right? That's a good that is, nickname. That's very like that old is school, solid old school nickname. Golden Boy to the cool? That's yeah. That's a Lenny good life. The cool. all, yeah. all the way to eighty seven. That's yeah. That's living right. Yeah. So I mean he, he played in the very first Super Bowl against the Packers. Uh, unfortunately lost that one, uh, but did find his way. Uh, to a win in Super Bowl number four, uh, and was named the MVP of the game. So, and he of course is uh, the subject of one of the coolest and most iconic sports photos of all time, which is him at halftime of the Super Bowl. I believe it's Super Bowl one, uh, where he is literally just in the locker room on a folding chair, smoking a cigarette, and he's got a <laughs> fresca between his legs. And that guy is like peak, peak athlete right there, and it's he's just it's just cool, wild. The cool, the original OG. Right. So, I mean, and it's also crazy that he is a pro football Hall of Famer, but then is also in the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster. Um, you know, very few people can claim that distinction, but he is in there twice. Uh, you know, what a second. Drew Brees tried. And, uh, yeah, it didn't work out. He's going to get one of them. Yes. Yes. He'll definitely be in there once for sure. Um, so, you know, Lynn Dawson, 87 years old, Purdue legend, one of the guys in the in the cradle of quarterbacks. Uh, had a great game when he beat uh, then number one ranked Notre Dame. So just just an inc- incredible career all around, um, you know, college, NFL, broadcaster. So, uh, you know, we're, we're thinking of his family, and I, I sure hope Purdue finds a way to do something in one of the games this season to honor him, whether that be a helmet sticker um, or just a, a something before the game. But whatever they do, I hope uh, it's available for people to see who aren't aren't in the stadium because that that would be a really nice touch obviously he meant a lot to purdue mm-hmm. um and a lot to both college football and the nfl so yeah he'd be a strong contender for purdue mount rushmore oh yeah 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 uh just just an incredible career and incredible life so um just wanted to mention that i i thought it was important so we're going to take a break come back and look at our picks for important purdue football players for this season and we are back. So we're going to talk about some important players, important uh, units of either the offense or the defense that we think, um, you know, not only important, but could be key to produce success. And Casey and I talked about this a little bit off air, and I'm going to go first because mine is boring and he's going to roast me for it. So I want to get it out of the way. Um, but I think it's important to note how important AOC truly is to this football team. That's not the prop that you gave me. I I said key pieces or important or breakout players or anything to the, to that nature. Yep. Yeah, what is the discussion to have with AOC? He's the one thing on this team we know. 
Yeah, but here's the thing. He is the one thing we know, and that's why he's so damn important. Yeah, he's also a quarterback. Exa- another reason he's important. You're making the case for me. He's in a. It's Jeff- not good he's radio. A- well, good thing this is a podcast. Hey, the weird-looking white guy with the volleyball wife. He's important. Yes. So no, but I mean, tell me right now, who's Purdue's backup quarterback? Austin Burton. Are you just know? Do you just know that because you're looking at a depth chart? No, we, <laughs> we do this for a living. <laughs> He played really, last year. I really thought you came gonna back. I really thought you were gonna stumble and maybe say plumber. <laughs> uh, no, I was really... we would be having an. It was an interesting conversation to have about AOC when we had Jack Plummer. It was. Now it was. Boring. I. I really. I thought I was gonna trap you. Um. But I mean, he is really important just because he. The Purdue offense is going to go as far as he can carry them. We we've seen last year he can throw the ball over the field. He could put up probably four or five thousand yards this year. And if if he plays how we think he can play, Purdue has a chance at a really special season. But if he regresses, if Why he throws, he well, because he's, he's a been human the being. Same player. He's been the same player ever since he started. The occasional bad turnover, mostly very accurate, decent arm. If they're open, he's going to find them in rhythm, which is why it really doesn't matter what he does. Is he going to have weapons to throw to? That's the interesting part on all. True. That's true. the unknown. So he's going to be him. It's whether we have, if he has open receivers in time, in rhythm. And that's the biggest thing about having really good receivers is they get open when they're supposed to be open. When, when quarterbacks are able to find them in rhythm. And that's why last year our offense looked like such a well-oiled machine a lot. Because, hey, what route is David Bell running? Oh, okay. I know where he's going to be after I take my like third step. So I'm going to throw it there. And he's going to catch it. And I don't know if we have that certainty with anyone on offense this year. Yeah, I mean, you when you lose a guy like David Bell, who he didn't have the speed of Rondell Moore, didn't have quite the moves of Rondell Moore, but probably had better hands and was just Definitely an incredibly, incredibly crisp route runner. I mean, you always knew where he was going to be, and you knew that if you put the ball near him, he would catch it. So losing a guy like that is going to be a problem. Um, and also, you know, Garrett Miller, uh, tight end for Purdue, injured his knee and had knee surgery actually today. Um, according to the Jeff Brom radio show that was airing just about uh, an hour and a half ago. So, you know, we knew he was going to be out for the season, but he apparently has undergone the knee surgery now. Um, hopefully hear that that's successful and we can have him back uh, next year. But that's another weapon that Purdue has lost. Milton no longer on the team would have been the number one yeah. option this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's now at Kansas, I believe. No, that was, wasn't that our defender? I don't think he ended up anywhere. Oh, I can't remember. Either way, uh, I mean, so you you are right that while AOC is important, it, it's just as important who he throws the ball to and who is available and who is healthy for him. So it, I, I grant you that, but um, I do think we would be remiss if we went through this whole conversation and didn't at least point out how important AOC is. Sure. Quarterbacks, you're not going to win without one. Not Not with the talent deficit we have everywhere else on the roster he's gonna have to do a lot more heavy lifting this year that is yeah for sure yeah so i've given mine mine's boring i boring. understand that so i understand that what is yours either a player or a specific unit mine is the other side of the field and it is the defensive line okay in much the same way as the receivers we were talking about our defensive line took a little bit of a hit yeah yeah there's, i mean you lose big george that that's going to be a problem there's a guy Impressing in the NFL preseason over in Kansas City. And this defense last year kind of existed 
purely off of him drawing double and triple teams every play, never quitting, great first step. And I have to wonder how this team is going to hold up on defense. And it's a it's kind of a double-edged sword. We lost our best linebacker, we lost our best secondary player, and we lost our best defensive lineman. Do we have a defensive line that can step up and hold the run? We talked about having to go to Wisconsin. Talked yeah. about playing Minnesota, who is run-heavy. Penn State to open the season. If those teams are able to bully us, we don't have a chance to win the West and have the kind of season that we're hoping is a possibility. And that starts with our defensive line. And I think it first starts with, are we able to effectively control the line of scrimmage enough to not have to bring up safeties? Um, We got burnt a lot last year deep. Oh, yeah. And we survived because we played really bad quarterbacks that were not (laughs) Yes, a lot. I mean... I, I can't tell you the number of times last year when a opposing receiver was free wide deep open and, and the opposing quarterback just airballed it. Nevada should it. have put 30 points. I us. mean, you, you take if if the opponents had made even half of those deep throws, Purdue probably loses two more games. Yeah. So you have to ask Branson Dean was good at times last year. Lawrence Johnson had a couple moments. Jack Sullivan. Are those guys good on their own? Or were they only good because they only had one-on-ones last year? Right, right. Are they able to – they don't need to be phenomenal. We don't need to have a ton of sacks, even though we need pressure because I don't think our secondary is going to be what we consider a strength. Um, I I have some concerns at cornerback. I have some concerns at safety. I don't think we're a very deep team, so God forbid we get some injuries back there. Right. Can we make some plays at the line of scrimmage? If nothing else, George Karloftis offered us – a handful of series a game where he made a big play in the backfield that either forced a third and long or stopped a third and short or, you know, get a sack, uh, force a pressure, a quick throw, uh, force an incompletion. Those are the kind of things we need to give our offense a chance to stay ahead of other teams, to honestly take on teams that are probably more talented than us because our defense is not the most athletically gifted unit out there. And what we're going to need to do is control that line of scrimmage enough to stay in games, allow AOC to get some time, get comfortable, to wear down opposing defenses. We know Jeff Brom can put a game plan together, but it can also be a little hot and cold. So we need to survive those stretches. Um, If we could force some turnovers this year, that would be great. And I think that all starts by getting some pressure and not just getting ran over by the sticks to where we are facing second and threes, third and two. Yeah. Yeah. Like we need to get off the field and hold teams to third and longs to not just, we need a good defense to be a good team. Yeah. It starts there. There, there are a couple things with the defensive line that do give me hope. Uh, one of them is the line coach who is Mark Hagan, um, who, if you know anything about uh, Purdue football, you know, Mark Hagan has been with the squad uh, a number of times. He was at IU also. Um, I don't think there's anybody who's ever worked with a guy um, who has a bad thing to say about him. Everybody seems to love him. He always seems to get the best out of his guys and he seems to really know what he needs and what he wants in recruiting. Um, so that gives me hope because I, I do have a lot of faith in Mark Kagan. And then in addition, Purdue, of course, got the um, gigantic human being Cole Brevard from Penn State in the offseason, um, a transfer guy is listed uh, officially on the Purdue Sports website. He is listed at 6'3", 315 pounds uh, as a defensive a tackle. Boy. 
That is that is a large human being. He, originally from Carmel, Indiana, so I would imagine that's part of the reason Purdue was able to snag him after he decided he did not want to continue at Penn State. So when you can get a guy like that who, uh, you know, we, we don't love Penn State here on the podcast, but we have to at least admit that they do pull in big names, big athletes, um, and some big recruits. So when you can get a guy who committed to them, I believe he was originally a four-star, uh, comes in and you can throw his big body on that line to be a space eater, um, you know, that can make a difference. Um, I don't think he's projected to start. He's still rather young. Um, but I mean, with that kind of size, I would think he's going to be in the rotation. And if we can keep that line fresh, you know, the more the better. Yeah, those big boys need breaks. Yeah. So yeah. Depth it's, it's inside not is, is nice. We've got a couple nice freshmen. Um, Joe Strickland, Nick Carraway. It'll be interesting to see if they play at all. Um, Yanni Karloftis. We have another Karloftis. Yep. It'll be interesting to see if he gets healthy. If... Yeah, there was there was actually um, uh, also on the Jeff Brom radio show today, uh, it was announced that he will play this year. Um, however, Brom did uh, caution that he's currently dealing with a broken finger. Uh, not great uh, when you're a defensive lineman because you, you use your hands a lot, um, but you hope they can tape that up, do whatever they can to, to make sure that doesn't give him a lot of trouble during the year. But uh, Brom says he will, in fact, play this year, so they must not be too concerned about it. Yeah, he's a good athlete. Nowhere near as big as his brother. Um, not built like his brother, obviously, but we could definitely use some of that around the line, outside linebacker, whatever different things he can be, because he should be someone who can fill a couple different roles with his athleticism. And we're, we're going to need that help. Yeah, yeah. Um, so since I said someone on the offense, um, I do want to at least name someone on the defense that I think can really um, be be a leader and be a difference maker on this defense this year. And that's obviously going to be Jalen Graham. Um, he plays this weird linebacker slash safety position. Um, very mobile, uh, started all 13 games left last year, had 64 tackles, 45 solos, four tackles for loss and one sack. Um, he has got to be the leader um, of the defense really in my mind. Um, he's going to be making a lot of plays. He needs to stay healthy. Of course. Um, and he is, I think, he's good enough to find himself drafted um, coming up this year because I believe he is a senior. Um, yeah, yeah, he's listed as a senior. Oh, so uh, I would imagine he'll have his name called at the next NFL draft. Um, and you want him to be on the field. You want him to be causing chaos and to be able to be a leader uh, out there. I know he he plays a lot of snaps. So we have to, again, we have to hope he stays healthy. But I, I think he can, again, take another step forward and really fill in for any loss in that linebacking core um, after last season. Yeah, he was really good for stretch. We we like having athletic, fast linebackers. Yeah, yeah, and he certainly it's, fits the bill there. It's a good way to tackle when you have multiple guys that are at the ball um, every possession. So I think you're definitely right there. Um, we're going to need a guy or two on defense to step up and make plays. So he's probably the most likely candidate. So. I agree with you there. You had a bad first one and a good second one. <laughs> hey, you know, I'll take a 50%. That's fine. One out of two. Yeah, yeah. So is there anybody um, on the offensive side or, I mean, I know we mentioned wide receivers at the at the top there when I was talking about AOC, but is there anybody on the offensive side of the ball or a unit that you think is incredibly important? I think Marshawn Rice is going to be a potential playmaker for us. Okay. Um, little, he didn't get a bunch of run last year, but... Yeah, he got injured last year. Yeah, but a bigger receiver. Um, I believe he's 6'2", and I, I think we need some size. We've got some shorter guys. Um, Brock Thompson won't be healthy to start the season. You and... shut your mouth. We don't know that. 
And I think AOC is the kind of guy who will give his receivers chances. So big receivers between him and Abdurrahman Yassin, who had some really nice uh, uh, moments on some deep balls last year. Yeah, and again, another guy who got injured. Our receiving core was just decimated with injuries last year. Yeah, but I'm, I I think Mershon Rice has a little more to be a all-around playmaker for us, and we're, we're going to need some guys to step up. We'll see how Charlie Jones does to transfer from Iowa. Um, TJ Sheffield, you know, came in kind of like a Rondell Moore light, uh, small, shifty receiver who can do stuff behind the line of scrimmage and out in the middle. So we have a bunch of options. I'm just, is any of them going to step up and become a one? Because they yeah. all were kind of good twos or really good threes and It'll be interesting to see who has that next step. Yeah. So you talking about you know you recruit these guys as as twos or threes on your on your depth chart, but suddenly one of them has to be the number one guy. It reminds me of you know Purdue basketball about a what was it probably a dozen years ago when suddenly DJ Bird was your was your star player and you know no offense to DJ Bird but that's not really his game. So it, Purdue suffered a little bit because of that. And you have to have that guy step up and be a true number one who can truly uh, be the guy who, you know, it's third and five, third and six. You know you're going to have an opportunity to get him the ball and he's going to get open for you. And the question is, who on Purdue's receiving core is going to be that guy? I think there are a number of guys who can fill the role. It's just a matter of who is healthy at this point. Yeah, it might be Payne Durham. <laughs> Out of all our receivers, I don't trust his hands a whole bunch. Yeah, but he, he was there... definitely – we loved him and we hated him at times last year. Yeah, there's no denying his size, athleticism, and AOC is really good up the seams. And a tight end like Durham who can get up the seams, there's a lot of chances for big chunks of yards. And he's definitely shown the ability to be in the right spot. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, you know, catch the ball. Yeah, I mean, if, if Durham worked on his hands in the offseason and truly improved those, I think he does have a chance to be one of the best tight ends in the conference this year. Yeah, I, I'm excited because we bring most of our offensive line back. And we were both scared of our offensive line all last season. Yeah. I don't think it was a legitimate issue in a single game. No, I don't either. A, I mean, they... a lot of that was Brahms doing, designing a smart offense yeah. that was be able to be aggressive and protect AOC, but also AOC just very methodical, knows his reads, gets through them quick. Um, occasionally holds on to the ball too long, but in general, the offensive line was really good, and we bring those guys back. And probably a little deeper this year even, so... Yeah, I'm excited to see us. Maybe we we won't have the individual talent, but maybe we'll be able to do more with what we have. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, guys like uh, Eric Miller, Gus Hartwig and Cam Craig are all coming back with a lot more experience and really have become kind of uh, stalwarts on that line at this point. And so when you get older guys on that line, you have the experience, you have the strength, um, but you also allow younger players to grow into the role so that you're not throwing out guys who, you know, look like me on the offensive line, uh, you know, five, six, one forty seven uh out there. You, I don't you think wanna... we have to worry about that. Well, uh, there was there was one guy uh who I believe we looked at his picture uh, it was a couple years ago and we were like, is that guy a lineman? That uh that's what shot those. Yeah. So the longer this unit stays together, the better it is for Purdue long term, um, because you allow those linemen to truly bulk up, get stronger, and grow into the role. Um, and and I know you and I mentioned before we start recording uh, that somehow Gus Hartwig is only a junior um, at the center position, and he has really, really become an indispensable player on that team. 
and it's amazing that that it's only going to be his third year with the with the squad. Giving me some Nick Hardwick vibes. Oh gosh, you know that's that's music. The names to my sound ears. the same. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Might as well be the same person. Right. But yeah, um, yeah. There is a lot of unknown, but we have some interesting pieces, and hopefully they can get all put together. If we're strong on the offensive line and strong on the defensive line, I feel very good, and I feel I feel confident our offensive line will be good. Which is more confidence than I had in anything going into last season. Yeah, yeah. Last year was just such a crapshoot. I mean, coming off of the weird uh, COVID year where no one really had any idea who was good, who was bad. Um, And then you suddenly go into a full season. Purdue didn't know who the quarterback was, of course, under Brom. And just so many new players coming in. We didn't know who was going to be playing. And then, you know, we win nine games. And now, now the expectations have just skyrocketed. And let's hope that this team can uh, can meet or exceed them. I know it's it's tough to meet expectations when you uh, raise them so high just from one year to the next. But hopefully this squad can do it. And so much of it relies on all these different players we're talking about remaining healthy or getting healthy as the season goes on. Uh, that specifically applies to the wide receiver position. Yep. And, you know, we're bringing in some some transfer talent this year. And that's encouraging. I think T. Denson will be a guy to look at in the cornerback. Came from Kansas State, uh, played, this will be his third season, uh, played in all 12 games last year, uh, played in seven as a true freshman. So uh, I like that, and I think we're going to need help back there. So just some names to look out for. Yeah. Um, I'm ready. Me too. Can we get to the games? Let's go. So one thing on T. Denson. Uh, it does say he may not be ready until mid-September. What? He apparently had a double sports hernia surgery. There's two hernias? Well, one on each side, I would and they're imagine. they're both sportsy? <laughs> they were very sportsy. Uh, one played one played basketball, one was more of a golfer. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, hopefully he can be... Dang. But, I mean, that's only a couple weeks, uh, because, you know, we, we start first week of September, so that's only a couple games he might miss. I kind of want him for their first game, Lenny. Yeah, I mean, we need him for the Penn State game, but uh, we will see. Let's hopefully... Hopefully we can get him back um mid-september as it says and we can have him for the rest of the year uh, but uh is there anybody else on the roster whether it I be think a we starter, named the whole roster Ledman. we might have um who we you, who we didn't mention no okay what do we think of the coaching staff good bad brom blom yeah i don't care to talk about him like i said uh mark hagan was really the only one i wanted to mention because you talked about the line and i, I just i just think that guy can can do wonders with the talent that he's given. So really looking forward to coach himself out of a phone booth. That is what they say. That is what they say. Uh, So I think we're going to leave it there regarding the the roster. Um, The next podcast we will record will be on Sunday. It's going to come out on Monday. Uh, Casey and I are going to force ourselves to uh, look at the games and come to our season prediction um, as we, uh, as we prepare for Thursday's game. We'll then going to record one on Wednesday again. That'll come out Thursday all about the Purdue versus Penn State game. Um, this is subject to change. We may record that, it, that it or, earlier, but you want to you want to stay up late and do a live reaction right after Ledman? Oh, we could do that. Way we past your bedtime. That. God, that that game starts at eight, right? Probably. Oh boy. Oh boy. I gotta work the next day, man. I don't know. Just, just drink some Mountain Dew, buddy. You'll be fine. I gotta drink a lot of Mountain Dew. We'll see. <laughs> we will see. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Boiler up. Boiler up. <laughs>